Welcome to the Metal Hammer Podcast, episode 25. I'm Mo, I'm here with Luke and Elle. I <laughs> just looked at you both, I was about to say, it's hot in it, you look like you're melting, are you okay? I am melting. After, after last time when I was on the podcast and you made me eat my ice cream in about five seconds, <laughs> this time I decided not to bring an ice cream to the podcast. Good, because it would just be cream by now, wouldn't it? it it's was. sweltering in London, but the metal survives as always. <laughs> God, that was cheesy. And speaking of which, we have just launched our very special limited edition Iron Maiden Legacy of the Beast bundles. There are only 666 of these worldwide. You can see what we did there. Number of the bundle. Number of the, yeah, thanks Luke, well oh. done. <laughs> Uh, and in these bundles you will get the latest issue of Metal Hammer featuring our world exclusive interview with the band about their unbelievable new tour, what they got planned for the future, some interesting thoughts from Steve Harris on the current state of metal and all the rest of it. Very, very good indeed. You will also get an exclusive Pharaoh Eddie patch from the Power Slave album and limited edition and very, very cool Legacy of the Beast blind box figures. If you're a massive nerd like me, you'll know what blind boxes are. You get a cool box with a mystery figure in it. You don't know which one you're going to get. But there's 12 uh, figures available, all based on Legacy of the Beast of the game. So there's different Eddies, other characters from the Iron Maiden mythos in there as well. 12 to choose from, uh, you get a random choice with each one. So if you want to get different ones, you're going to have to buy a few of them, aren't you? That's how it works. <laughs> uh, again, you trade like of the old days. Exactly. Got, got need. That's what it's all about. Uh, yeah, you won't be able to get this set anywhere else. These three items will only come with these Maiden Legacy bundles that we put together exclusively with the band. So get over to tinyurl.com forward slash maiden bundle and order yours now. There's only 666 of them guys, so. And a lot of them have gone. A lot of them have gone already. They are selling, they're on sale as we speak. So if you like Maiden, trust me as a Maiden fan of some sorts myself, you will love these, <laughs> they're very, very, very cool. Do you like Maiden? A little bit. It's been known. <laughs> Kept it quiet. Yeah, I've heard the cover feature's pretty damn good as well. <laughs> uh, um, Luke, you went to ministry. I did. In this heat. <laughs> It was, How was that? I'm sweating just thinking about it. I've never been to a hotter gig. I don't think. Well, maybe, maybe I. But in terms of like, it was at the forum, which is about what two thousand, two and a half thousand people, yeah. and it was just fucking rank in there. By the end, <laughs> I've heard there were walkouts. Uh, I don't know. Really? I, yeah. I, I was I was upstairs, but I did see a woman. I think it was Earl. I think it was a woman. Um, sort of being sat had to sit down on, on like the stairs and people were bringing her water so I imagine she was not in a good way Jesus. and yeah you sort of look down from the balcony and it, there wasn't a smoke machine on but it was just thick with a nice haze of sweat but Oof. it was fucking so great it was so hot there was literally steam coming yeah. off the <laughs> yeah Jesus uh, it was, it, was hot. Like, it felt like a sauna but it was yeah the best sounding gig I've been to at that venue ever I don't know what they did but both, but Chelsea Wolfe, who was on first, sounded amazing. How did Chelsea Wolfe go down with Ministry's crowd? Um, well, I think I think I think it went down well. But it was one of those things where people were obviously up for getting Larry. Mm. Like there was a lot like, when Ministry came on, it got kicked off. But everyone sort of stood in like a sort of appreciative, stunned silence when she was on. And I got there just after like, two or three songs into a set, and she was stood there on these massive platform shoes, like eight foot tall, like towering over everyone, oh, cool. singing. Yeah, and it looked fuck. She looked fucking cool doing it, and yeah, it sounded amazing. A lot of stuff from his spun, which is probably her best album. Very, very uh, And yeah, it went down well. But when Ministry came on, it just fucking booted off, and he came out with these. I'm sure you saw them on Instagram. These inflatable Donald Trump chickens with swastikas crossed out on them, which you know, subtle, yeah, woke. How's <laughs> uh, I feel about it then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's on the fence, and 
And yeah, he did like a lot of stuff off the new re- a new record. He did three songs back to back from Rio Grande Blood, which is probably my favourite Ministry record. When he was on the whole I hate George Bush vibe, and then yeah, and then he sort of got to like, towards the end of the set, it's like, well, I'm basically doing loads of ninety stuff now because that's what you're here for. Yeah. And yeah, and he you know, and he just yeah, it's so fucking loud though, like so loud because um, it's ministry but it sounded like crystal clear like it was amazing it's probably awesome. the best ministry show I've ever seen like wow. the set list was ridiculous even the new stuff because I quite like the new album mm. um, but the new stuff just fit in so well with this whole like, every song he picked was pretty much a very political one or you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hate you know, the status quo type song um, but yeah everyone was like, so up for it and just having an amazing time Except the security, you got a bit annoyed with that, constantly kicking the inflatable chickens into the front row and to keep putting it back on stage. <laughs> Amazing. Um, so he says rock and roll is dead. Yeah, but yeah, it, it was. Uh, it's just wicked seeing Al Jorgensen. Like he's a, a yeah, a, I mean, a mess up. But yeah, he's a fucking. He great. is, but that guy's like the Terminator. Like he just keeps going and keeps going. <laughs> yeah. And if you've read, if anyone uh, wants an eye-opening book to read, whether you're a ministry fan or not, read Al Jorgensen's autobiography. It's utterly insane. Yeah, it's mental. Um, and yeah, obviously still fired up and angry as ever, which is what we want. Yeah, yeah. He says uh, he gave a, you know, not necessarily a shout out, but a, a mention of Boris Johnson and Theresa May. Oh, he's wow. keeping an eye out on what's happening over here. He's woke. Oh, he is. But yeah, it was fucking great. And yeah, and Chelsea Wolf obviously brilliant because she is awesome very very good well done ministry well done what a lovely what a lovely roasty time yeah it was <laughs> it was so hot though like you literally ne- everyone there was like you know necking pints me and Jonathan Seltzer from Metal Hammer yeah, because of the heat but yeah but you, but you were and you weren't getting drunk you're just sweating it straight oh, back no. out again it was like oh I'm not this I don't horrible. know if I can handle that oh what's happening in the world of metal well Nightwish have written 90% of their new album Wow, that's like an extra ten percent on what uh, on what Tuomas tells us about in the latest issue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, in the, obviously in the time between the interview and now, he's written an extra ten. He's not fucking about. <laughs> well, well, what he says is the next album is well on its way. I've written about eighty or ninety percent oh, of the material. Come on, uh, says all the floodgates opened last October when we finished with the Auri project. Auri project. Or or was, but I don't know. Who knows? I, I was listening to the album and just something clicked in my head. I've been really excited about writing songs ever since. Mm. And he also goes on to say, even though it's night percent written, they're looking at a t- spring 2020 release. Lazy. Why? That's lazy. Nearly two spring years. 2020. <laughs> Good grief. But so they're going to start recording next July because I guess they've got this massive decades tour. Yeah, they've got yeah. some stuff going on. Yeah. Headlining Bloodstock in a couple of weeks' time. That's going to be pretty damn epic. I'm really looking forward to that. I've never seen that, I wish. Oh my word! Wow. Yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 to be honest, I've seen them with every singer over the years, and they've just got better and better and better. Fleur is easily the best front woman they've Oh really? Uh, okay. Literally, no doubt about it. She can do all the Tyre stuff, she can do all the uh, Annette stuff, and she's just a really good, she's a proper presence on stage, yeah. so I don't think either of the other singers were quite so much. Um, yeah, I like Norwich a lot, and I think they're... Uh, as the saying goes, the best they've ever been. Nice. Certainly live. Certainly so I live. really got into them when the Once album came out. I remember really, really liking that album. And I just wasn't in a position to see them at that point because I was you know, a child. And then, <laughs> and then, yeah, I sort of didn't really follow up with, with it. I was like, oh, I like that album. I didn't really check out much since. But it, it seems like they've obviously been on a massive rise since then yeah, and, yeah. And, and very recently. One of the biggest bands in our world now. And I should say on that note, uh, if you do want to hear more about the new album and what they've got planned for Bloodstock and everything else, uh, two of us talks to us in the new issue of Metal Hammer. So, oh, come on. There's your plug. <laughs> um, I've got a note here that's saying, that says, 
Uh, King 810 technically, isn't it? Uh, I think it's 810, yeah. Right. King 810 is now down to just two members? Yeah. David Gunn and who? Uh, and bassist Eugene Hill are the only two members of the band remaining, apparently. <sighs> the, What's happened to the rest of his crew? Well, I don't know. We saw them at um, Bloodstock last year and the guitarist wasn't there. Well, I saw them at, more recently than that at the Underworld. That was only like three months ago or something. And it's yeah. the same thing. They had like... David Gunn was there and a couple of other people and they just kind of did they just like used synths and stuff to fill in the gaps oh that's a shame but yeah it's, it's only just two members now yeah and they pulled out of the Cane Hill tour in America which obviously is not a good sign and he said well the, the statement was we get to inform y'all uh, we cannot make the upcoming Cane Hill tour we had every intention of appearing but I've encountered compounding obstacles and then he went and then he basically went on to answer a load of questions from fans about what's going on and he says, uh, well, David Gunn replied to the one fan saying, we're not sorry anyone's gone, no one is missed. The fat has been trimmed, we're coming back stronger than ever without weakness. Fuck, you know, he's not, mess- not you know, mincing his words. I mean, where do you guys stand on King at 1-0 now? Basically, came along, were enormously hyped by, yeah. you know, the media. We, we bigged them up a lot at the time and they had a big press campaign behind them. I think... There was a bit of a cynical backlash towards that that I don't think helped them. And mm. since then, it seems like they just kind of had false start after false start. I think musically, like on record, it's great. Yeah, I really like both records. They've, Backed. N- they've never blown me away live. Uh, I've only seen them, to be fair, I've only seen them twice. I've seen them at Bloodstock. I saw them at their Isn't debut the London show at Islington Academy. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, to be fair, it was good, but the crowd were shit. Like, it was... Everyone was just talking over it, and it was just it wound me up. Yeah, yeah, that. true. I mean, it was it poetry, was... wasn't it? I mean, yeah. that's the thing. If you come out the gate and you're like, "We're King Eight One Zero, and we have guns, and we're gangsters, and we have all these songs," and then half of it's poetry, kind of got to expect something. Yeah, they, like yeah, it was happening. a bit of a weird thing. They had like, uh, yeah, Dave Gunn reading those poems, and they had. Um, like weird little interpretive dance sections and stuff. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, I remember that at all. And it's yeah, like, yeah. I think this is the kind of stuff you've got to try and bring in a bit later because when you've got songs like, you know... Kill Em All. Kill Em All, yeah. So that's, I was trying to think what the famous one was. Like, that's not... What I come to a gig for when you've got some, you're packing songs like that, I don't really want to see interpretive dancing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then to be fair, by the time they got to Bloodstock, they kind of fucked off most of that. Yeah, yeah, And totally. they were just pulling out you know just playing through good songs that's the thing the set list of Bloodstock was great but it was just because it was outdoors it doesn't really help and there was the the guitarist wasn't there it was just a backing track it was just like oh this still isn't what I want to see and like you said earlier it was was still like just an electronic thing are you drawing dicks on your paper again no it's a snake (laughs) drawing on your fucking thing I'm allowed to draw while you talk it helps (laughs) me think about snakes apparently um, yeah, it's a weird one. Like, like, I think we all agree, like Luke said, that the albums are great and musically they're brilliant, but it's kind of time. If, if they're going to be a legitimate deal for metal moving forwards, it's time for them to, I don't know, get on with it and just the show was put great. out a great album and just do a solid, good world tour yeah, where they get yeah. everywhere and they play good shows and there's no fucking around and people getting arrested or. Because it doesn't feel like, oh, this exciting combustible band. It's just mm. kind of like, oh, come on. Yeah. The show sort was great at the Underworld, but yeah, just the missing member thing really put a dampener on it because the fans who were there, because it's 500 cap, 
were really committed and really devoted and really into it. And I don't think they've got any bad songs. Like, there's a couple of dodgy lyrics, not going to lie. The one about putting his hands down someone's pants and things like that. I'm a bit like, it's not mm. a great song. But um, they haven't really got any good songs. <laughs> it's just kind of uh, really bad songs. They're all really catchy. They all hit really hard. And so whenever they play the song, you're like, oh, it's this song. This is a really good song. And then, mm. yeah, it was just let down by the lack of members. Damn. Oh, well. Speaking of members... What's well, the update on Cavalatite? There's news. This, after last week, we said there's no vocalists and they're going to announce it. They've announced it. Yeah, Who saw that coming? That's exciting. It is exciting. So tell us about uh, Eva Nicolaisen. Well, yes, Eva Nicolaisen. I'm sure I've said wrong. De- definitely pronounced it wrong. Uh, well, he apparently, so I, I'm, he's, he was in, or still might still be in, uh, The Good, The Bad and The Zugly, who are another Norwegian punk band who do sound a bit like Cavalatite at times in their more punk and roll type thing. They're probably a bit more straight up hardcore band than Cabela Tech are. But yeah, but I think he also contributed, let me have a look. I've got some words here and I've uh, lost it. Yeah, he was a guest vocalist on their song, uh, Blood Torst, blatantly not pronounced like that. Um, and he's been on, he's been touring with them for years and he's friends with the band. And he seems to be, I don't really know him that well, but he seems to be quite a mainstay in the Norwegian punk scene. And probably he's a really good fit. Did you see the videos of him playing? No, I haven't seen. He looked, him. He looked, he looked really on it. Looked like he had a point to prove. He was like in the crowd, on top of the crowd, climbing oh, up stuff, brilliant. going wild, which is great. I think that's something they need because they are, you know, obviously the latest album was a bit more classic rocky and stuff, and people some of them didn't like that. But um, <laughs> Erland, he was good as a frontman. He was great. He looked quite ominous. He was a big guy with his top off and an owl on his head. But he, ne- but I never saw him go full on like into the crowd and go fucking insane. And if that's what they're going to start doing now and being just like an old school punk band playing Cavella Tag songs, then fine. Yeah, definitely. I mean, on that. But he says, um, Nick Eisen has said that he's been a huge fan of Cavella Tag for the past 10 years and he's not going to try and copy Erland. He says, Erland is a line, I'm just a small rat. But this rat is pissed off, infectious, and full of pestilence. <laughs> That's the best quote ever. <laughs> That's a death metal lyric. Yeah. <laughs> That's so good. Good green. I hope they write a song about that. But yeah, uh, we all kind of said it last week, but it would be so, so good to see Cavell Attack come swinging back to the very forefront of the, of the metal yeah. scene. Because the metal scene is an exciting place right now, and I still think there's a place for Cavell Attack to be right at the top of it. So. Yeah, there's so many bands that still not sound like them, but you can tell our fans of them yeah, in the way they're playing. Definitely. And I reckon they'll probably, because they've got a new singer now, they'll probably try and get a record out before the end of the year. I hope so, man. I'm ready for it. Bring it on. Uh, one thing that's been a, a hot topic on the Ooh. internet this week. Mr. Matthew Tuck has had some thoughts on, uh, on, on the state of metal in 2018. This is actually taken from uh, Elle's interview with him last month. So Matt from Brilliant From a Valentine has uh, put the cat amongst the pigeons by suggesting that metal has gone stale. And that's part of the reason that Bullet have kind of veered towards a more kind of alt rock um, sound mm. on, uh, on Gravity. Uh, El, you did the interview. I did. I mean, we, you know, we published it. Uh, it was all published within context and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We haven't taken his words out of context or anything like that. But I mean, what, what do you think? Where do you think his head's at in, in why he's kind of feeling like that about the metal scene right now? Well, he kind of said that he'll always have a love for the metal scene because they came up in the metal scene and that's where his roots are. And, you know, he loves the legends of metal. But I think for him personally, being in Bullet for My Valentine, he felt like they'd already done everything they wanted to do within metal as such. 
And with this record, he actually went and did some co-writing sessions with other songwriters. He went out on his own without the rest of the band, tried to look for a new way to write songs and a new way to present Bullet For My Valentine material. And I think after doing that and exploring that with various different co-writers and looking at various different new electronic techniques and so on, he obviously decided to take this record in that kind of direction. So mm. I think it's like, um, you know, a big part of it was that he felt really uninspired by it and he felt bored by it. And obviously his comment that metal is becoming stale, that's caused a lot of people to take offence because they're not bored with what they see around them. You know, Matt's obviously thinking, I need a different approach for Bullet. I feel like I'm in a bit of a rut kind of thing. Whereas other people, obviously, we're here today. You know, there's still a lot of amazing bands right now doing amazing things. Yeah, I mean, if this... A lot of people could say, oh, you're a metal hammer, it's your job to say metal's not stale. But I think it's... I don't think anyone would really argue that where metal's at, and certainly heavy music in general's at, in terms of producing exciting young bands, where it's at now is... I think the most exciting place it's been for at least a couple of years, mm -hmm. if not five or six or maybe even longer years. Um, you know, every week it seems like we're talking about Code Orange or Venom Prison or Power Chip or Employed to Serve or Vain or like all these wicked bands that are just flooding the scene at the moment. So I think it's quite understandable why a lot of people have turned around and gone, that's daft mm. to say that metal's from stale. I don't, I, I don't think that anyone who's really listening to metal at its grassroots can seriously say it's going stale because there's amazing things happening in pretty much every pocket of the scene I can think of at the moment. Um, so yeah, that's not true. No. <laughs> at, the, at the same time, when it comes to Bullet, I mean, it's kind of like what happened with Bring Me The Horizon in a way. Like they spent 10 years, or the better part of, being ruthlessly the whipping boys yeah. for metal you know couldn't put couldn't put out of half a song without getting floods of people steaming in going this isn't metal you're crap blah, blah 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 and so if he feels like it's time for bullets to kind of shrug that off I can't say I blame him really well I think that's what it is I mean, if that's what if it's know, about the, the full quote was I'm never going to turn my back on metal because it's been my life for 20 odd years but for me as a songwriter in the genre it's all gone a bit stale so he's kind of saying like look I've been doing the same thing for mm. however many years with Bullet I want to do something that's not the same it's, it's him isn't it it's a personal thing where he feels bored with it it's interesting as well that he's saying this after temper temper kind of took a bit of a risk with writing these kind of up-tempo kind of fun songs, I guess you could say, like riots and all that stuff. Um, and that didn't go down so well. And so then, then they came back with Venom, which is a really solid album that was just, yeah, we're metal again, we're metal. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's almost like they kind of got another panning from the metal world, kind of came back with Venom and went, right, we'll get this out of our system then look we can still do a metal album if we want to that's the thing and now they've turned around and gone right we've done that now we've proven that we can do that if we want to now we're going to go and do something else and I guess whether people go with them will just depend on what people want from Bill of Valentine that's the thing he didn't want to do another Venom it was like I've already been there and done that and that's that record and I think because he's had a lot of change in his personal life as well not only did he feel like he didn't want to make the same record he probably felt like it was a different person Mm. so you can understand personally where it's coming from it's, it's sort of his personal decision but in terms of the metal scene as a whole I think we can all definitely say that metal has not gone stale really? for us it's and for the scene like I mean if you can't find something to like in heavy music you're never looking hard enough but right mm. now especially it's just like we're, you know 
it, it's a it's a fun battle working out which young bands we put into the issue every month because you've only got so many pages and all the rest of it. So yeah, metal's fine, and but it will do, <laughs> but it will do what they do. It'll be re- really interesting to see if this approach is gonna see them go massive or not. Because I think the whole, uh, you know, I mean, sorry, let me rephrase that. Get even bigger stateside because I think the whole thing with working with songwriters and thinking very carefully about the type of music you put out, often with a mind to streaming and US radio and stuff like that goes one of two ways for bands and it either doesn't work out for them because they've played it a bit too cynically or it makes them fucking massive because they've hit the jackpot and Bullet do know how to write a chorus so you know we'll see what happens yeah I say I think you say it's, just, it's a daft thing to say and I get it if you're going to move away from metal because you don't feel close to it anymore and you don't want to play this anymore because you've done it for the past whatever it's six albums or whatever they've done um, but just calling it the entire scene style just seems a bit like I say, like I say, like I say, you're not looking hard enough. He said for me personally, it's no, yeah, yeah, I know. you're allowed to be bored with something, you know, if you have been immersed in something for years and years and years and then you feel fed up. You know, again, I think if you like heavy music, there's always going to be a different type of heavy music. So hopefully you won't, you will never get bored of that kind of yeah, music. Yeah, that's what, that's what like I mean. If you like the yeah. feel of a kind of music, there's always different bands to discover and different people doing different things with sound. But, you know, if somebody feels bored with something, it's natural to kind of try something moving on and... I'm just curious as to whether he will go back to quote unquote metal after this, you know, whether it'll be enough mm. of a break that he'll return to it or whether there'll be enough of a reaction that he'll return to it or it'll just feel differently, who knows? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. We will see what happens. Uh, what's been happening on WW Face- oh, no, WW Facebook? Oh, no. Come on. Fuck it. <laughs> oh. It's all right. It's very hot. Forgive you. It is hot www.facebook.com forward slash Mountain Readers is where you can come and ask us questions for this very podcast and talk to us about the magazine. We're always uh, getting feedback, chatting to you guys about Mountain in general, where you want to be. Um, what have people been asking us this week? I'm so hot, I can't. <laughs> I'm standing here with my hands in the air because I'm trying not to sweat. Oh, Jesus, dear. sorry. Oh, well, Merlin. Oof. Michael Guy Perry asks Which bands currently receiving a lot of attention do you just not get the hype around? Personally, I have tried with them, but I just don't see what the fuss around Creeper is all about. Uh, well, firstly, I think Creeper are great. I think um, I, I Creeper's a funny one. I can definitely see why loads of people wouldn't like Creeper because they're a very specific niche of rock music. It's that yeah, yeah. post AFI, My Chemical Romance. We're a cult band who like gothy pop, not pop punk, but gothy punk yeah. kind of music thing. But I think... As a staunch metalhead, you're probably not going to be bothered. No, definitely not. But, I, you know, I think it's... I look at Creeper and I, I, I find it hard to see anyone going, I don't understand why this ba- people like this band because they've got such a strong identity and yeah. the rest of it. Uh, in terms of bands getting hyped up, I don't know, really. I just sat and named a ton of young bands we're excited about and I stand for all of them. Yeah. <laughs> come, nice. on. come on. I'm down I'm with sure the there's some stuff you, don't, you like, Luke, that I don't like. But I can't there is, but there's not... Many of them are getting a lot of hype, I guess. Like, um, I don't think I've been listening to lately that you know are on the hype train. <laughs> I just don't know. Like, generally speaking, it doesn't seem to be metal bands because I, I I understand why people like them. Like, like you mentioned, but for Valentine or whatever, maybe not because they're already massive. But I get I don't like them particularly, but I get why people do. Yeah. Same with even not not metal bands like fucking Twenty One Pilots or something. I get why they're massive. Yeah, but it's not my. Although they it's are not my thing. rubbish. That's <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's probably <laughs> one I don't get actually. I mean, like, yeah, 
they've got an image and they've got hooks and so I can sort of see it to an extent but I think they're the first band that have made me feel really super super old when I <laughs> went to see them at Reading last year maybe could barely get in tents and just two people making the most weak sounding music and everyone going nuts for it and I was just like I don't get why this is good I mean if we're going into those bands on that side of the scene then Royal Blood is one where I don't get it where anyone it's hard to say it's not sound like a snidey twat but anyone who actually <laughs> listens to genuinely heavy riffy music like if you're genuinely a big fan of Mastodon or even Queens of the Stone Age I don't understand how you can listen to Royal Blood and think wow this is wicked because <laughs> it's just it's so diluted from what that kind of music can be I know you can you know I like the Prodigy I also like Avicii do you know what I mean so I get it you right, can have yeah, different yeah. scales of stuff but I just think when it's that I just don't if, you, if you're educated enough to know what genuinely great riff heavy music is like I don't get why you'd listen to Royal Blood I find them so boring yeah, no personality so, or anything when, um, it's just because their music gets used a lot on TV and stuff often it's one of those bands where you find yourself absorbing them and then you'll be in a bar at someone's house or something and a song will come out and be like oh I like this song and then it'll take you a few seconds and you'll go oh hang on yeah that's Royal Blood but it's mm. just kind of gone into your mind without you actually actively liking it yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. gone in one band that I really wish that I really loved because <laughs> I think the hype is completely justified but I've just never quite been into them musically at Centre Shikari I love, oh, them. I love them. And a lot of people think I'm automatically going to like them because they're, you know, a bit heavy, a bit dancey, so I like a lot of that stuff. But um, I love everything they do. And I like, funnily enough, I do like it when they go a bit more dancey with their music. I think it really suits them. And the live show is always fucking wicked. But I just, I just not, music is not quite for me. And it annoys me because I love what they stand for. I love what they do. Um, I know it sounds odd to say I want to be in this band, into this band. Yeah, but I'm not, yeah. But I don't, just, I don't quite click with their music enough. But I think, objectively, they're... Well, it's not really being objective, but they're a brilliant man. They're one of the best yeah, UK yeah. bands to come through in years. I yeah, loved them yeah, from the quite. beginning. They just, I just felt really excited to hear them because they're such an exciting band. The music's so exciting and live. They're just so exciting. You just can't... so exciting again. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Don't yeah, you uh, excitement constrain me? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, Jeremy asks, how do you feel about multiple instrumental tracks on a single album? I he's actually picked out the one I was going to say. It's awesome i.e. an album that has an intro as well as two, three instrumentals on a 10 or 12 track album. Our band's using instrumentals as filler now instead of doing full songs, i.e. Ghost, Zillanada, etc. No, so not. can you have too many instrumental tracks? Are people just being lazy by putting them on? I think, I think it, everyone's doing it for the show, aren't they? Like Ghost are doing it for the show. They're doing it for that whole like atmosphere thing. So they've got a little interludes they can drop in when they're doing changes on the stage or intros and outros. And I think with the new Bury Tomorrow record as well, they actively said to us, we've written these instrumental bits between it. And it's the same thing. They wrote it for the stage. They wrote it so they can perform it. And Zilanada as well, I guess it's a similar kind of thing. They've got this show with all this ambience and atmosphere and it adds something to it. So also the first Zeal album had instrumentals on as well. I kind of think if if right from the start you're doing that, like with Zilanada, I, I, I take that as granted, that's part of his music. He does little mm. instrumental interludes and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like he suddenly started doing them. It's like, hey, where's this come from? I think it does give the record a bit of cohesion if you've got some kind of sonic thread running all the way through it and it makes it really interesting and atmospheric to listen to. And then when they perform it live, they're able to use those little techniques. So I personally quite like it. It doesn't bother me. I mean, to, to me, the be all and end always, Jeremy named Ghost and Miasma is 
I'm not just saying this because like, oh, banter, there's the saxophone in it. It's literally my favourite song of 2018. You love saxophone. I think it is unbelievable. It's a mini epic yeah. in one song. And the way the saxophone comes <laughs> in, like, the, it's just, oh my God, it's amazing. So and I, I think it works. I get what he means as why it's annoying though, especially if, like he says, a 10 to 12 track album that has an intro as well as a load of instrumentals. You are, so you are basically only getting seven True. songs. But it just depends I, I, like I, it's good or that's the thing. It, dep- it depends, like Ellen said, if it's if it's the plan is to perform that album in its entirety and tell a story and make it an actual piece of art, than just filling in time. Then yeah, it makes complete sense. But like you say, if it is just like, oh fuck, we've got we've only written twenty five minutes of songs. Let's let's fill let's fill in some time. But which, which to be fair, I don't think any of the bands we've named do do that. I think the uh, Barry Tomorrow is even out of Ghost. It all contributes to mm. the whole. But. It, what yeah. do you think of people doing an intro track and naming it as a separate track on the album, but it's basically just an intro for one song, like Judas Priest with The Hellion and Electric Eye, like they're two separate songs, but one always leads into the yeah, other when yeah. they play it live? Well, Slipknot have done that forever, and I've quite liked that. And yeah. Sorted <laughs> in the of with Parable and Parabola. Yes, very and true. That, that, I, that is like literally one of my favourite things in the world in music ever, like the way that it builds into that and then the riff comes in, it's literally like, there's nothing better than that, is it? Mm. Yeah, so I guess if it's done well. We haven't really picked out a version where it's not done well. <laughs> not really, no. I'm sure there are some new metal albums, I can't remember which bands, where people just kind of pissed around and swore and Chocolate stuff. Starfish, the outro, where it's just yeah, that's got yeah. a bit of wanking on for yeah, ages. But when you, you know stack the first half with that many songs, <laughs> yeah. like, but yeah, I'm thinking of those bits in the studio where people mess around and they just decide to shove it on the record for no yeah. reason. And it's yeah, a good yeah. in-joke, but you're like, no, this is boring now. On the other side of that, I, I forgot the name of it, but the instrumental on Hybrid Theory, which basically sounds like an Apex Twin track oh, or something. I love that. It's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love that. So good. Love it, love it. So yeah, if it's done well, do it. Yeah, so like I say, as long as it means something to the album or the live show, otherwise just you know, sack it off. Sack it off. <laughs> Chris Lloyd asks, what are your favourite misheard lyrics? My ex thought Man of War Hail and Kill was, hey, it's Phil. What? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry? Really? Hey, it's, it's Phil. Phil. <laughs> Why not? Uh, the only ones that come to mind for me are, um, I mean, Jimi Hendrix kissed this guy. Is really yeah, yeah. But mine aren't that well known. Um, there's a song by Inflames off Conclarity called uh, Crawl Through Knives and the chorus goes it's in my hands this guy na, na, na. so the lyric is it's in my hands but when Anders screams it it really sounds like he's saying it's in my ass like really badly <laughs> really really badly that's um, just where your mind goes though isn't it it's uh, just more reflective of your mind what's the AFI song of um, I'm looking it up because I'm failing at AFI fandom brilliant Taking away your goth card. Oh, the song's called. Oh no, it's not. Even no, they're not, not really goth. They're just dark. Yeah, true. Uh, oh god, Dancing Through Sunday. I think it is. There we go. Um, yeah, the fast one of um, Sing the Sorrow. I think it's that one. And uh, the chorus it goes. I'm in the misery. And I can't remember what the actual lyric is now. But for years, I can get it out of my head that it was going. Elena bum, Elena bum, I'm in the misery. I actually miss so, yeah. all lyrics. I'm really terrible. I just I have a problem with hearing things clearly. <laughs> I, I, sorry to hear that. <laughs> yeah. I'm really bad, I miss her stuff all the time. I like to kind of like 
look at the lyrics to sort of work them out because sometimes otherwise it can take a couple of years and you're like oh it's been wrong in my head the whole time yeah, sometimes I don't notice that I don't know the lyrics until I'm watching it live and seeing yeah, it live yeah, and yeah. I'm like what the fuck am I saying this is like yeah, gibberish yeah, yeah, yeah. that, ha- that yeah, yeah. happens to me all the time and it doesn't make sense like for the one only one I can think of though that isn't I know maybe two that isn't funny it's just something I thought it was for years uh, and in my head it made sense was it Champagne Supernova by Oasis? Yeah. What's the chorus? Hang on. Somewhere you will find me caught beneath the landslide. Yeah. I thought it was can't believe the last line, and it was some <laughs> and, it, and it was some like meta reference to the line he just sung, and I was like, yeah, maybe maybe you won't find him, and I was like, I was like but in my head, I was like, this makes sense. But it doesn't. And the I mean, to be honest, if you try and dig too far into Oasis lyrics, they come unraveled pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know. But I fucking love that song. It'd be years. I was like, this yeah, is so true. deep and poetic. I was like, oh, it sort of is still, but my version was better. I think they're kind of like <laughs> Slipknot ones. People have misheard as well. What was it? Inside my shell, I wait and bleed. A lot of people heard that as inside Michelle, I wait and bleed. Inside Michelle. Yeah, which is, so which is really bleak. <laughs> yeah, that's horrible. <laughs> Well, people actually thought that was the lyric. Yeah, I remember that at the oh, time. There was like a lot of misheard things. Did you know oh. there's a word for a misheard lyric? No. Oh, it's a. Mm, yeah, that, that's the word. Is it? Is that um, homonym? Nope. Oh. It's a Mondegreen. Wow. That's a Pokemon. No, it's not. <laughs> Go Mondegreen. <laughs> what is it What's your lyric? <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought of one as well. You know, Call on Me by Prince. Call on me, call oh, yeah, on me. Yeah. It always sounds like the middle bit is going, and I don't know what the actual lyric is. Saving for a new city. <laughs> I don't know what the actual lyric is. I've never looked it up. So there I you go. I hope you right. bought it. Bless him. He deserves it. It's number one. Uh, <laughs> it's so hot in here. It's so hot in here. So we're, we're sounding a bit like all over the place. We're trying to avoid flapping at each other because it's so fucking hot. So we've not put the aircon on oh, because it just God. makes it sound awful in Stop here. Stop He is a metal. Gone. It's the hottest podcast ever. That's what we're going to call it. Come on, guys. Focus on the metal. Right. The next question comes from Callum Reed, who says, has there ever been a band you've championed, but look back now and think, what was I thinking? And on the other side of the coin, has there been a band you've scoffed at when you first saw or heard them, but now really like? Um, Someone below this comment, Merlin, mentioned you <laughs> and said, apparently, what? you were a big fan of a band called, if I've never heard of, Stuka Squadron. Or Stuka Squadron, apparently. You were a fan name, of them. I don't know who it is. I've never, apparently, you used to rave about them. Stuka Squadron? I've never heard of them. I think that would. I think that might have been Steve on the old podcast. I can't remember if that was me or not. Well, it's now tied to your name forever and ever. Why? What's yeah, Merlin. I don't know, I've never heard of them. That's what I mean. I, was like, I, I think his point was you like them and look where they are now. You idiot. What does that mean? Don't know. You champion the champion shit, shit band. Hold mate. on a minute. There's a difference between championing a. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, that does ring a bell actually, Sticker Squadron, but I don't think there's a band I really would have planted the flag in too hard because I definitely haven't listened to them for a long time. <laughs> but um, uh, there are certainly bands that I've really backed in the magazine on the old podcast and whatever that didn't really make it as big as I'd hoped, but that's not the same as regretting backing them. No. You know, like we've talked about bands like Crossfade. Upon a Better Body is another one that never went as far yeah. as I hoped they would, but the records which we were big on them on still slammed. Um, it's weird because he says that they're badly champion, but now I look back and think they are crap, and um, and the, vice versa. There's one that's kind of fallen in the middle of that, which is Issues. Mm. Uh, when they first broke, anyone that listens to the original Metal podcast will remember this. That first EP, Black Diamond, I think it was called, 
was all over that. I, th- I still think now it's one of the coolest EPs that's come out in years. Um, I loved that weird middle ground they found between kind of like 90s R&B and, and like metalcore. Um, but then where they kind of went after that was for me just really boring and they just became this kind yeah. of really middling sceney band. Tyler, the singer, is still a fucking great singer. He's got an amazing voice but I just think musically they just, nah, it just went really, mm, I'm saying, like I was it. at Summer when that EP was out and it was like my guilty pleasure. I don't really have guilty pleasure so I guess it wasn't but, you know, if, Proud I, if I mentioned it to anyone everyone was like, ugh, why are you listening to that? But it was really catchy, super catchy, and like really good for summer and stuff. Yeah, but um, yeah, I don't regret backing that because it was exciting. And it was, you know, I went to see them live at the time and you could tell they were, they were already getting a massive fan base behind them. And um, I don't feel like they've really gone super big over here, but uh, I was certainly into it at the time. I can't think of any bands. Actually, <laughs> I do remember when Blood from the Dance Floor first came out and we kind of covered them. That, that one, the, the video looks like a kind of acid trip version of Ghost in the Fog. Fucking no. I did remember at the time being like, actually, this is quite a good song and there could be something in this band if they actually wrote decent tunes and they, that didn't happen, did it? <laughs> yeah, then they just did. They kept being awful. <laughs> <laughs> objectively terrible. There was a band that was championed that I then bought the record of on the strength of the championing and was deeply disappointed. That band was Dislocated Styles. No. Do you remember them? No. They were. <laughs> Who was hyping them? Uh, music magazines. So it was at the time of, you know, Linkin Park, Papa Rachel and Biscuit, when new metal really, really went mainstream in the UK. And I was trying to buy every new metal album that I could find or tape it from someone or copy it on the CD or whatever. And this band, Dislocated Styles, were hyped as the next big rap metal-y type thing. And they did this album called Pin the Tail on the Honky. <laughs> And it was. That's you're, so you're shit. Right, That's so shit. I mean, that should have been the first Deep. thing, but you know, I was naive and young, and I think I had like you know, twenty quid to spend at HMV or something. It was a time when you had to buy a record, and it was like fifteen pounds for the CD, and I didn't have very much money, and I chose to spend this money on the Dislocated Styles album, took it home, and it was so bad. I barely ever listened to it again. I, I remember at the time like trying to listen to it a lot to get myself to like it, except like I've spent my money on this, but it's really bad. So if you want to listen to that, Dislocated Styles, Pinnacle, Monkey. Or do the worst album I ever heard. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any band that I scoffed at and are now a big fan of. There's bands that I don't get straight away. I remember the first time I heard, I got, heard Partway, someone played me Partway Drive, and we're going, oh, it's all right, it's metalcore. Uh, I but, think that's uh, a then, justified reaction though, because at the beginning, that's I think that's what they were. But it's just metalcore. Yeah. It's only really in the last few years they've got more of an identity. But that's the thing. I got I got, I got into quite a bit. You know, not Deep not long after, like Deep Blue yeah. was great. Alice was great, and it was you know, I'm you know, a big fan of that band. But I think there's just a lot of bands because, especially in things like metalcore, quite often you, your brain just sort of tunes out and goes, oh, I think I've heard this before. Yeah. Uh, but then yeah, when you actually realise that yeah, it's the greatest thing ever, ever there's something there but there's not a, there's not a lot that I feel like I've, I've championed and now no longer stand by there's albums that have been in my end of year lists that I now no longer listen to I think over the past few years because I've sort of gone oh that was great and now I've just got bored of it because you've changed as a person I've changed as a person man but yeah there's nothing that I'm ashamed of listening to I've just been researching Stuka Squadron <laughs> <laughs> And they're, they look like you'd like them now. 
They look like really? some kind of steampunk band. I'm getting flashbacks, but the thing is, it looks Show like they released, they released an album in 2011 and then kind of broke up, so I don't know when I would have been banging on about them. But that's them. I mean, Maybe I reviewed them or I just went. It's pretty cheesy. It's quite unlike me. I've got quite a nerdy brain for this kind of stuff. Oh, so it's so quite unlike me to not remember. Someone on their Facebook group says you were championing them. Well, I'll go listen to them again and see if I can remember. Andy Smith asks, how overrated do you think cheese is? What kind of a question is Not that? overrated at all, Andy. You're overrated. I am yeah. trying to... Your face is overrated. I am Ooh. trying to cut down cheese for the old... I don't know what it looks be like, nice sorry, the environment and animals vibe. So I'm not eating as much cheese as I did, but... I it love does, cheese. It does taste lovely. Yeah. I'm probably one of the biggest cheese consumers on the team, then. Big up to cheese and sticker squadron. The... Yeah, the stronger the better. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, I'm not in on that. I like the more middly ones. I know. What's your favourite cheese, Luke? Ooh. I got I guess Wednesday there with cranberries. <gasps> oh that's good. Oh yeah, Christmas especially. I had a massive cheese of pineapple recently that's fucking brilliant. Wednesday and cranberry is probably my second favourite cheese. I think my first favourite cheese is baked camembert with bread dipped into it. Yeah, that's fucking great. That is a classic. Um, that weirdly <laughs> brings this week's podcast to a close. I am off to Canada this weekend. Wow. I am going to Heavy Montreal, which uh, I went to a couple of years back. It was one of the best festivals I've ever been to. Took a year off, and now it's back. Uh, I'm going to be watching the likes of Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson, Gajira, Emperor, Limp Bizkit just got confirmed. Nice. Um, yeah, it's a stacked lineup, so I'll be reporting from that next week. And I'm going to see AF Friday on Friday as well, because they're playing, they're playing Montreal. AF Friday? AF Friday, it doesn't work. Uh, <laughs> So I'll be back. Next if you week said with that, you'd have loved it. Probably. That's so cool. It's your own word. <laughs> uh, don't forget to uh, li- well, you're listening to the podcast now. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and Acast, and leave us a review as well. The more reviews and ratings we get, the higher up the ranks we go. Uh, I'll see you guys next week. Are you gonna bring sweets back? Uh, if I, they're not all melted in my hand luggage by the time I get back here, then yeah. That sounds like an excuse, doesn't it, Luke? It does, yeah. It's toasty. I'm hot. We're going to get ice creams. See you later, everybody. Bye. Bye. Don't forget to buy those maiden bundles. They will fly.